You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And it's a special day, actually, for two reasons. Number one. Why? Is, uh, well, it's our friend anniversary, Connolly. I don't it know if you knew that. It is our anniversary. We've Happy been friends for 18 years now. <laughs> On this recording, it yeah. is our Gray and mine and Tara's friend anniversary, And the reason we are able to note that is because... The yesterday as of the recording would be Tara and mine's wedding anniversary. Yeah, I met Gray at a merch table. So we met Gray the next (laughs) day. Like appropriately, we were at, I was at the merch table next to Gray. Our wedding reception was at the Empty Bottle. And so we, in Chicago. So we we were able to mark the actual day we met in person. We knew each other Mm -hmm. through, uh, you know, the digital means, but in person. So we are, it is a special day. 18 years. Look at us now. Yeah, but, our friendship could go off to college or trade school. Yeah. It could vote. <laughs> it could buy register. a pack of cigarettes. Exactly. Yeah, register but you know for what? the draft. We're not encouraging it to do that. No cigarettes. No. <laughs> our friendship needs to be able to breathe. And as you may have heard, the other reason that it's a special day is because Shane English has returned to the Noise Extra podcast to discuss some 80s cassette culture artifacts with us or one in particular what's happening shane hey guys thanks for having me back very excited to be back our pleasure Glad to have you yeah definitely we had so much fun doing the geometrico album with you and and i think even in that episode we sort of discussed that next time we got to do a obscure 80s cassette and here we are making good on our promise to us to the listeners and to you but hey you know, before we get into the main chunk of the episode, we got to talk about recent listening. Gray, what have you been listening to? Uh, well, uh, a friend of the podcast sent us, well, and to quote Connolly and a friend in real life, uh, <laughs> sent us a, a box of like noise stuff that they didn't want around anymore. <laughs> it happens. I, I will accept. And uh, one of the things we'll take it, it is exactly send all your unwanted noise. Well, not all of it, the oh, good yeah, stuff no. at least. <laughs> Uh, but uh, this is a uh, in this box was this great total CD, hard and low on Turgid Animal, released in 2012. But it was originally a broken flag tape from 1986, and it rules. It has all the things you sort of want from mid 80s broken flag and like cassette zone, which is it's every track is totally different. Uh, there's some sort of that like almost UK uh, ritualistic industrial kind of sound, something you might liken more to like a Met Gumner Bone or something and really crude kind of lo-fi drone and just some weird experiments. And it's, it's cool to hear total in 86, just making a, a racket. So I have enjoyed this one very much. I've uh, listened to it twice now and very uh, happy to kind of discover it through, through this uh, generous gift. So that was very cool. And another and thing, uh, while not from 1986, sometimes, you know, things feel like they take that long to get to you, uh, is this Young Hustlers record, uh, Hiding in the Open. And I bought this like six months ago, and it never shipped, and I was just about to kind of inquire about to its whereabouts when I got an email from the band saying that, uh, that they, they had had some, some issues with, like a dead webmaster and uh, a, a hacked account or something, but I got the record shortly after. So uh, no complaints there. It's uh Swedish power electronics uh, duo. I, I, they played some shows or they played a show, I think in Chicago with uh, like alpha mania. And that's a pretty good touchstone for this kind of stuff. You know, the survival unit kind of realm, European power electronics vibe. It sounds very much like that. The vocals are really, really, really nasty. And uh, I like that. I like that aspect of it. But that's actually been about it. Shane, what have you been listening to? Okay, recent listening. So, with the tape that we're doing, I kind of pulled a uh, what I like to call post-industrial ambient kind of pull this week. Right on. And the first record I'm going to talk about is a uh, cranioclast, Chris uh, Akon Crystal. You guys familiar with them? Really pretty. I feel like they're pretty underrated German duo. Yeah, I've heard some of their stuff and and like, you know, whatever, maybe comp tracks here and there. And I feel like I have 
something by them somewhere, but I could not tell you what they sound like even at this point. So I, I'm curious, what's up with this record? You guys just talked about. I saw you talked about Calibris. So, so that's what I was about mm-hmm. to say, and and we know that they're that is project is related to Cranial Class, but it, not exactly sure how. So they're all very mysterious, <laughs> but Cranial Class was like kind of the main project, and then they ran a label called Coc, which is what released the Calibris. And Calibris isn't aren't the same people, but they're all kind of part of the same mysterious group in germany it's like a collective of maybe like five to ten people but cranio class being the like leaders and it's a duo both the name their names that they list in every title is all an anagram of the word cranio class coc yeah yes but a con crystal and then their names are like sanct clario it's all just the letters of Cranioclast like mixed around. All right. Whoa. Strange. And this record is like one of my favorites. It's it's also it's an EP technically. It's about like 20 minutes long. This one's called Akon Crystal. It's from 1987 or so. And it's really, really nice. Like it's kind of hard to explain. It's almost I guess Soviet France would be like maybe the closest comparison. But one side is called Beachcombers, and it's just really beautiful beachcombing. Maybe the kind of atmosphere you'd get if you were a beachcomber, like with a metal detector, and like hearing strange things in the distance, but also industrial somehow, <laughs> if that makes sense. Killer. Mm-hmm. All right. So then I got a little stack of like recent um, really cool like tape finds, like old school tape finds, like the stuff I get really obsessed with. So, and these are kind of along the same lines in the kind of industrial ambient zone. This is M. Standish. The album's called Force of Habit. This is 1984 Boulder, Colorado. It's pretty varied. Like it kind of starts out with an almost pansonic type of vibe, like really heavy rhythmic electronic, but it's obviously really before that. 10 years before they did anything that cover looks wild it's like a it's like a fork yeah and shadow yeah uh there seems like there was a pretty crazy scene in boulder in the 80s too yeah i think there was there was and then um and it's not very written about really (laughs) so it's like this is kind of a really obviously it's a pretty rare tape, but yeah, it seemed like they had a pretty vibrant scene. I posted this about this one and then a couple other people talked about, Oh, I remember that one. And they were at the show or something. Part of the tape is live. Okay. So um, this is a really good one and it's pretty varied. It goes from like really hard hitting rhythmic stuff at first. And then there's some more like media cut up stuff. There's some really, really weird, um, kind of speech like uh like almost like someone was doing a business trip speech but they were talking about biotechnology and it's like really creepy because it's talking about like pandemic control stuff <laughs> through delays and stuff and it's ve- it's a little bit too um close too to simil- home yeah it's pretty <laughs> weird it kind of freaked me out the first time i put it on a couple weeks ago <laughs> cassette prophecy <clears throat> Sorry, moving forward, this is all, all this stuff is 80s tape culture stuff. Awesome. But this is like uh, Northern Machine. The release is called First Transmission. It's their first uh, record, a duo. I think they were from Northeast somewhere. I want to say like maybe Massachusetts, Connecticut, that kind of thing. And this is um really beautiful, like kind of... Terminator soundtracky, I would say, mixed with like almost like a Chris and Cozy, like when they were doing CTI. Type oh yeah. Atmosphere. All right. So this this is a really cool hidden gem, like really cool. And I posted about it, and that kind of prompted, um, that prompted a Bandcamp reissue of it when I posted on it. The original guys that that did this remastered the tapes and put it up on their Bandcamp. So they have a Bandcamp, Northern Machine bandcamp.com i think cool we will link to that cool 
And they have like, I think their entire catalog on there, but that was their first one. Moving on. Um, I'm kind of just showing you guys all my favorite tapes I've gotten in the last like six months. <laughs> That's great. Hey, we love it. I love it. This one is really cool. I actually got this one from Jed Bendeman. Uh, is it my saying his name right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that guy? Uh, he's uh, he. That name's familiar. Yeah, Mississippi Records. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, he's the guy who does uh, Freedom to Spend with yeah, um, with Swanson. Oh, right, right, Swanson. right, right, right. Gotcha. Anyway, I, I don't really know him that well personally, but I've been buying tapes from him for years on uh, Discogs. <laughs> but um. This is Schuster, and this is a UK project, 1986. This is the first tape from this project, and this is, has like a really like classic industrial, like early SPK, early Lustmord type of vibe. It's very like UK. Um, it does have some ambient passages, which is kind of why I included it. It has some uh, a little bit cliche kind of Robin Gristle-esque, like cornet, trumpet through delay kind of stuff going on but in a really cool way. And it's not all like that. Most of it's pretty straightforward, traditional industrial sounding, but really good. Really right on. Good one. I forget about the cornet. That, there might be some of that on that total CD I mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a trope. If done well, it can be really cool though. Like just the total cozy doing cornet through an echo pet long delay. It sounds beautiful. All right, moving on. This is Fetus in Fetu. This is Germany, 1984, probably the closest touchstone. It doesn't really do it justice, but it would be like Neubauten circa patient OT, like really, clang really, really clangorous Neubauten, maybe a little less, um, more controlled than that, like a little bit uh, more minimal rhythms, just looped, but really, really abrasive, like trebly mid-range percussion like physical percussion looped through tape loops and some really, really um, tortured vocals. Again, kind of hitting on like kind of an SPK kind of thing, but more German in nature. <laughs> and don't Google fetus and fetu, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you don't. yeah, I've done it. You, you, yeah. you Googled it? As soon as he said it, I yeah. You knew what it, you knew you knew what what bad things are weighted you. It's a horrible birth defect type deal. <laughs> it's pretty disturbing. Okay, so last one, my recent listening. This is a really cool thing that I've found in the last. This is probably one of the coolest things I've found of 2021. This is a project called Hith Lahab. This is a tough one. Hith Lahabuth Bluth. Hithlahabuth, and they're German, and um, they were also kind of similar to Cranioclast in that they were a project and also a label. But this is one of their first tapes, and this one's called Live at the Miskatonic University. Tape came out in 1990, but it's for all recordings from 86. And this is like nicely fits in with your like Ain Soft. Capricorni, Numitasi, like total straight ritual industrial, like very dark Kabbalistic ambience kind of stuff. And I kind of scored when I got these because someone was selling them very cheap, like five to ten dollars each. And I got like almost the whole labels catalog, like just got a big box of all these and they all have <laughs> these nice big format. They're like not quite a four format, but they have these fold-out posters inside. Oh. And it's really weird because the guy who ran the label, the way that you uh, ordered from him at the time, there's a Polaroid like on a bed of all of the releases with numbers on it and you a little order form. And you would just like look at the weird little Polaroid with all the releases and put which number you'd want to buy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, that is a very unique style. I love it. So wow, that tape a, looks great. This is a really cool one. Yeah. And it's pretty, the label is pretty varied too. The project itself, it's Lathibus, it stays in the pretty ambient ritual industrial zone and it's all very good. But the label goes more into like, there's even some like almost skinny puppy sounding stuff going on, stuff like that. Sounds up my alley. I'm, I'm very curious about this stuff now. You should check it out. Yeah. 
Killer. Sick. But that's my not playing. That is nice. awesome. Great, great list. Well, we're we're down to slim uh listening over here. Just due to recording schedules back to back to back to back, but we were just listening to from kind of going through a couple of things we got on the more recent Bandcamp day and Murderous Vision put up a live set that is fantastic. I think it was the they they did a show right when you're kind of allowed to do shows again in Ohio. I don't know if you're I who knows if you still can. I don't know. Who know as of this recording, who knows? But whoever knows. For a window they did and uh and it's a really, really cool live set. So highly recommend putting I feel like it up. dark, moody, like if you want Again, the perfect thing to be contemplative with, to read to. Um, it's, it was, I would say it's that type of rainy, ritualistic night music. Rainy, ritualistic night music is a perfect way of putting it. I think it would go right along with some of these for, for some mm -hmm. a new, a newer take on the, the old stuff. Oh, I mean, of course, Murder's Vision uh, has been around for decades, but this particular recording, a newer take uh, that might pair quite well with some of... Shane's recent listening. Awesome. Actually, last time I was on the podcast, Steven reached out to me and we did a trade. I sent oh, him cool. like I sent him like everything I had on hand. And then he sent me like seven CDs or something. So oh, now nice. we're buds. Awesome. He's he's <laughs> the best. And you know, shout out. Uh he's you know, super great supporter. And we we really love him. And hey, another guy we gotta have back on Zoom. Of course. Another thing we learned last year, it's Petrus. That's right, which is Not the, we still we talk about that a lot. How crazy it is, and it's still hard to con to uh, put that in our brains, but we try. Also, didn't know that until JT, my good buddy in Austin, when I mentioned Stephen, he went, "It's Petrus." <laughs> yeah. I know, in my head, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say that all the time in my head. Yeah. It's Petrus. Yeah, we're listening yeah. to any murderous he's, he's vision. So, like, he's Petrus. so nice and cool, though. He's like, for yeah. twenty years, everyone's gotten it wrong. He's like, I, I don't correct people, but yeah. that is the correct. I mean, you know, much Tara. Many people Tara. call her Tara. She doesn't even, aka, she doesn't Tara. even blink. It's fine. Uh, I mean, Gray. We've heard, we've heard plenty of people call Gray Greg, or Ray, Greg. Or, or 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 what? <laughs> or Ray. Oh, I like that. Oh, Ray. oh yeah, yeah, Ray. Like Ray? if I'm ordering oh. like a coffee or something, they ask your name. If it's Ray, like oh, ninety percent oh, of the time, right, right. right. Uh, you know, I can't wrap my head around you being a Ray, though. That's great. I, I think like I was it, called my, Greg at our favorite bar for like a full year. You were because we didn't know. No one sort of corrected, and it just kind of went I'm on. But hey, him. Mike and Shane, we're just—it's pretty hard to get our get us wrong, I guess. But you know, <laughs> it's okay. Before we get into that, a quick word from our sponsor. In 2001, Trugatronic invented the multi-channel tabletop audio controller, a joystick version, C4i, Iron Cross, and the button version, C4b suppressor, are cloned by many and equaled by none. Twenty years later, the subhumans pulled the pin on the mother of all analog controllers, the C36 Revolution. See it at Trugatronic.com. Well, you know what I can Classics. get wrong is this this tape we're going to discuss. The, the band name, the titles, I'm... Apologies to all for pronunciation. Sorry for doing this to you, Gray. <laughs> my my bad uh, French accent is not going to help any of it. Well, luckily, we do have someone who's a little better. Now, she's going to she's shaking her head vehemently. She says, don't look to me. But here's the reality. You're going to do better than the three of us. So we're not going to say that you're perfect. I mean, I'm going to say that you are perfect, Tara. But oh, other thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay. But, the so <laughs> but you're going to get these pronunciations slightly closer than us. So this is la sonorité jaune, which means the yellow sound. So thank you for this choice. Yellow is my favorite color. I was really excited wow. uh, to bring this in. I also like things with Latin origins. So hellier, um, although it is not exactly latin we do have the word origin of helios as the sun yeah i've always kind of been confused about what they're actually referring to with helia i you know i get the impression they're being intentionally obscure oh yeah and all of their <laughs> releases kind of have a similar made-up language feel to them mm -hmm. and this is on sj organization which if i'm not mistaken is their label correct it is it is their label. And they put out, it seemed like they worked with the, I, I believe they put out like Dog is Master 
you know, the kind of working with that uh, that worked with a lot of eighties, you know, cassette culture, industrial noise projects. They were they were really involved, particularly with U.S. people, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, then one of my other favorites by them is uh, Anastia, and this one was released, I think, also on SJA organization. But the one that the copy I have is on Complacency, which is Illusion of Safety's label out of Chicago. Right. So yeah, you were heavily involved in like the worldwide network and i think they are really heavy on collaborating with american artists this tape is incredible this is completely new to myself to tara now gray were you at all familiar with this project i have i've heard them on some compilations but i'll say never it's one of those bands on a comp that just you know sometimes they don't all stick out or you buy the comp for so and so and and so I can't say that I like paid attention to this project, but I do have some things that they appear on. Um, but it just makes you kind of want to dig deeper into any tracks you like when you're listening to a compilation or something like I just got a couple uh, like compilations in the mail today and I am like excited to listen to all the bands that I have no idea about. <laughs> so I love right. that. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of reframed doing the podcast, especially has reframed my approach on some of that stuff where like you might grab it for the heavy hitter. I mean, I always have been turned on to uh, projects and try to seek out more stuff when there's a great contract. But sometimes something has to hit you the right way or you haven't listened to it in a while. Uh, like I remember falling in love with the Stallnets track on the Sound of Sadism compilation. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and then being like, what is this project? I have never heard of these guys. And then, you know, trying to look it up and, and dig up the other releases. That's and, the one that just got reissued, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hospital just did a fantastic reissue of it. And it is truly yeah. one of the most essential 90s mm-hmm. noise power electronics. Comp- well, international power electronics compilations. I love that. That's the that's, you know, the sort of tagline for it. That is just absolutely classic. Awesome. This the way this kicks off with the title track, you know, this, this first it's all. So this is C20. This is a short tape. And hey, any future guests who are looking to recommend a thing to do with us, if you pick a C20, you might be getting up that list uh, pretty pretty fast. Okay, like you look very nice, easy to remember. I was thinking about some others, like that one I just mentioned is more like an hour. But I was like, mm-hmm. this one is really special, and it makes such a great varied statement in 20 minutes yeah yeah, that's very true and of course look we obviously love 60 70 minute albums generally that's what we do but nothing is like a good c20 and it yeah it plays it doesn't feel like 20 minutes in a good way you know what i mean it feels like a full 40 minute 50 minute album it really does it has some like heft to it absolutely this you know and just that this low tone slowly moving in but then just the the room starts to fill up it's patient but then it's quick it's sort of Mm -hmm. like the build is patient and then all of a sudden you're like hey we're here like here we go yeah um i wrote it's funny you said that almost my first line is almost exactly the same i wrote raw low oscillator uh, yeah, patient. I wrote patient too. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but it has that feel. I I wrote the ancient wind approaches and grows quite deep, and blows over long pipes. Yes, I loved that oscillation. I really, I really mm. dig sort of the. It feels maybe like a like a couple oscillators detuned and just beating together at the right thing. Like it's vibrating. It's kind of shaking. And yeah, it's got. It's got that feel of a low oscillator that's just about to break into crackle tone. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really dug that part. But then the, the sort of ground cracks open and all these foggy textures start pouring out of it. Like, I hear maybe metal scraping, but not like harsh, abrasive, screechy metal scraping, but just like two pieces of big metal being rubbed against each other or something. It's, it's scraping, but not... Uh, like dissonant and nasty it's just more of the like sound of friction yeah and and this whole track i was really trying to you know put my finger on what helier could be or helier like are they referring to you know something that is 
originating from the sun and light uh, because this is, is such a dark track. So everything about it, I was just thinking like misty darkness, gray light. And then I was like, maybe this is before the creation of light. Maybe this is all of the elements pouring together in the depths of darkness and birthing something that emits a beam of light. I like that. Uh, the second thing I wrote was transcendental ambience when that coral ambience comes in after the period uh, of the low end oscillator it really hits when that it, it feels transcendental to me it's like angel choir-esque yeah it's it, it moves it does move and i think that's in part due to some sort of delayed stereo effects too where like you're getting stuff coming at you in in different ears of it processed a little bit differently and yeah, this really is a lot of subterranean rumbling here in the background for this track, but there's also that sort of hiss and rattle thing that comes in and you start to hear some sort of like notes repeating, but it's not in a way that I would call musical. It's not melodic and it's very sort mm -hmm. of simplistic, but not quite, it doesn't break the boundary of, of music to me. It's still very entrenched in the noise. And Shane, is there, are there any clues on any of their releases? What kind of equipment? they're using like part of me thinks that maybe a guitar is involved in this thing and obviously there's a, a drum machine somewhere on here but i was really trying to figure that out while listening so i don't really have anything exact by any means but i have been waiting to drop the fact that i have talked to pascal himself about this oh, recording no very cool Wait, oh, that's exciting you heard extra extra Do noise tell. extra we we we're not like best friends or anything, <laughs> but I have been. Well, um, then you know what? I don't want to hear it. It's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we have like just a friendly like every once in a while message relationship because I post stuff on my. We're friends on Facebook, and um, I post tons of tape culture stuff all the time. And um, when I uh, when I posted this one, when I got it, probably about I had been looking for this one for forever i probably found this in about 2008 i finally tracked down a copy which was the only time it's ever been sold on discogs um <laughs> i noted wow. i noticed there it had only been sold once and now we know where and that was in uh 20 right. 2016 or so i was about to say because i did look so there you go went right into your grubby hands yes it did <laughs> and it's cherished but I posted it at the time and I got a message from Pascal and he just wrote, all I did with that one was take a tape machine into the toilets of a moving train. Well, that's amazing. Wow. And it, because it's because I mean, on the listing, it basically says tape treatments. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that's sort of e even anything I was hearing, I assumed it was pre-recorded stuff that he was messing with. So I think he was just talking about the title track, Helie, the whole first mm -hmm. side. And I'm pretty sure what he did was he had a guitar, maybe. I think he just had a guitar and an amp, maybe. And he was just moving through a train. And he said specifically he did a lot of the recordings in the bathrooms of a moving train. Hey, him and Randy Yao doing some bathroom recordings. Perfect. <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, the the B side, which is where the other three tracks reside, definitely has a, a more rhythmic feel and and sort of more process. But I can see some of this stuff, the hiss and and rattle that I'm talking about, being you know an actual train, being sounds that you could record there, and a lot of that rumble. Uh, but yeah, the guitar is is. Uh, sort of slowed and, and muted too. everything's sort of under a pillow when you're listening to this, like in terms mm -hmm. of frequency, it's really kind of suffocated and it's a really nice 10 minute track that changes a bunch in its duration. Like it, it, it stays in a vibe, but it moves through a lot of different sort of sections and things kind of peel back and the sort of lower oscillation stuff we're talking about, you know, gets a little brighter and, and more present. And I, I like the composition to it. Yeah. I wrote lonely guitar, um, noodling recorded throughout the rooms of the train echo feedback snippet looped. Like there's this really prominent, like, 
um, vibrating feedback loop kind of towards the end. Um, yeah, I feel like there has to be some kind of, I feel like he may have had to have gone back and do some like multi-tracking over this or something. Maybe it comes to a sort of a very singular end too, where like it, it kind of peels everything back and you're left with just sort of one sound wrapping up the piece. I thought it was the throbbing birth of a singular piece of light. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I talked about the abrupt ending, too. It's like it goes into a nice little snippet at the end, but then that really abruptly ends. It t- it, he- it sounds to me like it was just stop was abruptly pushed on the record head. You know, it has that really abrupt, brutal tape feel at the end. Yeah, yeah, just, a, just mm-hmm. done. <laughs> yeah. Now, Tara, you looked up the project name and came up with something interesting now you know maybe we'll get maybe we go maybe it has absolutely nothing to do with this so i've heard of pink noise you've heard of brown noise we've heard of white noise we've got orange noise all they're on all the apps but I didn't uh, they're know. All, they're on all, all of them. The all the sleeping apps that they're I. All the sleeping yeah, yeah, apps that we, we actually use. do at this point. We yeah. we actually sleep to noise. That's where we're at in our lives. And that you can I even. amazing. Uh, brown. I particularly recommend brown noise for sleeping. I like brown noise or pink noise for sleeping. But you can I had see no idea there was more than white and pink. Yeah. Oh, no. So it's a, it's a whole spectrum of noise sounds depending on their frequency. Um, the lowest being uh, the brown noise. So I was really interested in yellow noise um, or the yellow sound or the yellow sound to see if there was like, if it was based in, in some sort of technical term. And I came up with this wild Parisian Jesuit priest named Louis Bertrand Castel. And so he was researching the relationship between light and sound in the 1730s. And this resulted in him creating the ocular harpsichord. So essentially, wow. he took a harpsichord uh, and made 60 small colored windows that sat above each key. And when he played it, it revealed a different color so that people who couldn't hear necessarily could watch the colors be played across the board. Uh, the key of E was the sound of yellow. So in his mind, this would enhance everybody's listening experience um, and intensify our perception of color so that we could imagine sound in a different way uh, visually. That's so cool. So, I mean, you know, that is maybe, very cool. maybe it's not the act, the inspiration for the project title, but hey, maybe it is. And hey, even if it's not, what a cool, interesting piece yeah. of knowledge. Yeah, we now the have. sound of yellow is the sound of lightness, pulsating energy, lifting you, but not embracing you. The note. I, th- I think that either way, it's a am- that's amazing <laughs> information. <laughs> totally, I think, totally. I think that it's very possible that that is the origin of it. Yeah, maybe. and that and that harpsichord is in a museum in Paris, so potentially it was seen because these um, artists are Parisian. Exactly. Well, we flip this tape and well, well Tara, I'm going to let you hit the pronunciation. And then we. And, and we were talking about loops, and la boucle is a loop. So la boucle du désir is the loop of desire. Yes. Yeah, or loop is in su- sort of circuit or circle too, right? <laughs> yeah. Like a, yeah. Mm-hmm. And man, this is just like cut, collapsed, fragmented loops built on each other, and and just this one is so erratic and and all over the place. It is sort of loop based, but it's. But there's so much built onto each piece. It almost feels like you let a loop run and then cut all the pieces out and recorded a little extra onto every little individual piece and stitched it back together or something. It's so strange. <laughs> this one is one of my absolute favorite tracks of all time. The whole reason I wanted to bring this tape on is basically to talk about this two-minute long track. Awesome. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I love the sort of... Sp- like spoken but or whispered vocals but they're like kind of spastic they gave me a, a you know uh more from france also uh, a tontonet like that kind of whispered in your ear in your head vibe but they're they're also kind of cut up or or disjointed 
it's a it's aggressive psychedelic whispering. <laughs> yes, yes 100%. it is psychedelic because it's it's gentle but violent in in how confrontational that that gentle whisper is. And you know, I it, I was trying to figure out if it was if it was supposed to be sexual um and listening to it because it, I, I think you certainly could take it that way because you have desire in the title and and there is something about that um insistent mouth sound uh that it, it it's difficult to not go there uh i think it's it's i put a lot of whispering in my own music and this i feel like is one of the inspirations for that i just absolutely love the sound of it it's just so I don't know. Mysterious to me. And, you and know, it, speaking English and it's the whispering we can assume is in French. I, I can't make out any of it because I actually wrote incomprehensible on my notes to where I'm not sure what is being said at all. I'm pretty certain it is French. Oh, it's definitely French. And I could only make out a few words. I heard like, yeah, the, le commencement de vendre, like, to start to sell but again i don't know really the only word that i'm certain of is small which means like you know starting uh so they could have just been discussing things about that were happening on the train or something else that was starting to happen because there is that little reveal right in the middle where everything is pulled away and you really get that pure whisper and i i thought that was such an exciting time when you hear the pure fluttering voice so I could go ahead and can I just go ahead and just write or say everything that I wrote about it? Please, please, please. do. <laughs> so I wrote sci-fi orchestral tape loops, chaotic but meticulously controlled, chamber of apocalyptic strings, weep and wind downwards, cabalistic secret knowledge whisperings, Stereo field, interesting, left channel milliseconds before right. Violins emerge from the center, darkly psychedelic with a music concrete edge. Yeah, and it definitely has that the that sort of school of tape music. It, it feels it on this piece especially, and probably the most. Although there are, there's more tape work on the following tracks here too, which I liked. And you know, we didn't really hear much of that or feel much of that on that long first side. No, the B side is pretty different. It's much more chaotic. What are some other French labels from around this time that you are familiar with or aware of? that they would have maybe been contemporaries with, at least in their own country? Well, they were one of the, like, biggest, um, well, not big, but they were one of the, like, premier DIY tape labels around that time. There was, this is a little bit later, but then there's Desaccord Major, and that is kind of, they became kind of almost like more world music, but at first it was very like rooted and industrial also. Desacord Majeure and then closely related to them was internal fusion. I think that would be like the closest other thing to them maybe. Um, of course, Etat Don and Le Syndicate, Syndicate. Um, they were also a label, the syndicate. And early on, I believe uh, Jean-Marie Ani from the syndicate was part of Le Sonorité Jean. I, at least he performed with them. Oh, wow. Yeah, because there's pictures of Le Sonorité Jean playing live, and it's the two core members that is always listed, Pascal Dozier and Sylvie Loquette. But it's always the on the live photos I've seen, Jean-Marie Ani is also in the pictures. So I think he was also in the group. So Le Syndicat, Le Syndicat is probably like, was their like biggest inspiration. And they were also a label in themselves in the way the SJ organization was. So they worked with a lot of international artists. They put out Black House. Um, they even did Merzbau. But I think that that label heavily inspired 
Lasano Tejan with their label. But there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, okay, I just thought of another one. <clears throat> Sylvie Loquette, which is one of the members of Lasano Tejan, her first project before LSJ was uh, called Dernier du Cult. And they were more of like almost a no wave ish kind of group. And that was from like, they started in like the late seventies, early eighties and her. And then the two other members kind of went on to be their own kind of um, label heads and had their own kind of experimental projects afterwards. Like the main guy is Lieutenant Carmel. He later did a split with Lissandra Tejan and I can't remember Elaine Basso was the other guy in the group was vocals, bass, and uh, drums. And the drummer, Alain, Alain Basso, he went on to do the label Action. And they were similar also did international industrial compilations. Um, yeah. So there's a couple, there was a small, but like very dedicated little industrial scene in France around the mid eighties. The through lines on these sort of international industrial compilations are always fascinating of who worked with who and who networked with who and who was on whose tapes and the kind of the more you dig into them, you see some very insular scenes and also some like really widespread and, and crazy international scenes too. Even like when thinking about something like the uh, international male music group or something that, uh, that like uh, Bogart and, and, Escore were part of or something like there's yeah where they all mailed in their submissions and mixed them all together <laughs> yeah like there's there's just so many kind of different things where the people were trying to do with people outside of their own area and I, I the compilations are super cool in that respect um this is a tape from about 1985 and this is a compilation on a label short-lived called underground productions this is france and i think they later they, i think they only have about five or so releases on their catalog but this was their first and this is an international compilation but heavy on the france and it's got vivenza the syndicate um das synthetisch mischewiba stinkabazin Le Trois Phallus. That's another really interesting French group to talk about. I'm, I'm unaware of them. They only did this one release. Um, it's called Food for Animal. Le Trois Phallus. <laughs> wow. That cover that, is uh, absurd. Sean Reagan described it as um, kind of like genocide organ time traveling with Hal Sarafna in, in the early 80s France mixed with the tinge of metal urbane, like the French punk band. Yeah, okay. So it's like really nasty, unapologetically French, like um, nasty punk power electronics. Strange, very strange. So yeah, I guess I went off on a tangent there. But uh, that was hey, I was trying to lead you to go off on that tangent. You know what? Success on my leading you and success on your tangent. Great tangent. All pat ourselves on the back. The The cover of that compilation is amazing. Okay, this compilation that I first pulled out is actually a really cool one, and I I got this after long long search this year, and yeah, it's cool because it's got the J card, and yeah, the the cover is really cool photocopy mm-hmm. aesthetic but then the inside has a little stapled booklet oh wow nice. yeah that so, looks awesome so each each artist has its own little art and contact info as you see yeah wow oh, this is just a booklet stapled in great style and what what is this compilation called it's called leparation okay um, let me get that on the screen leparation all right. Very cool. And, and the the label is Underground Productions, and this is UP one. Yeah, the big catalog first. number on the spine. I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, I've actually just started recently helping the Tape Mag Archive, Vinyl on Demand's online mega tape scan archive, and my 
my scan of this one is what is in the entry on there. I just got a scanner and I've been really nerding out and uh, scanning my whole collection the last several months. <laughs> you got to do each little page of that booklet. I did every little page of the booklet. I did. <laughs> Good. The second track on the B-side, Triptych Azure. Yeah. Triptych Azure. What's that, Tara? The blue triptych. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Could have maybe guessed that. Yeah, yeah right. That, one. <laughs> that, that, that one, one was so tricky. <laughs> That's a little easier. Man, this one's got that drum machine set to stun to open it out and and really just like weird, clicky, rattly rhythm. Some I, I thought at first backwards tape, but then I think it's just someone messing with the volume fader or the volume wheel actually, and it's not backwards. But that drum machine is like under a pillow. And set too fast and not really doing anything. It's so weird. It's super killer. It's one of my favorite sounds. And I wrote down claustrophobic Lissandicot atmosphere because the way that they're processing that drum machine is like super similar to the like early 80s Lissandicot tapes. And it's like ultra primitive, like wooden rhythm box, like run too fast, just like you said like run too fast and through it like mixer at o super overdrive level, just giving you that, like, it's not even super rhythmic sounding. It's just, it's just chaotic, claustrophobic, mechanical sound. Love it. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a rhythmic piece because of it. There is a little bit of that and it comes in with like the, the tight delay kind of ringing on things, but it doesn't feel like, you know, industrial with a drum machine in any way. Well, I thought there were organic elements, like uh, there were parts that sounded like a heartbeat or, you know, breath into a microphone that was processed. And those vocals really reminded me of a ghast, um, the, the super like sinister, um, mysterious vocals that kind of hint at a ritual. Like if you were around those voices at night and you didn't know from whom they came, you would be really scared yeah there is some like creepy little laugh like half laughing things going on in this one yeah definitely a maniacal vibe and and sort of a, a weird kind of clatter too so like the organic elements are like acoustic thing like someone just kind of banging on or or hitting something uh maybe out of frustration <laughs> i couldn't quite tell but also there's sort of this uh <laughs> what I wrote in my notes was tape pause Olympics because the totally. pause and unpause of the tape mm -hmm. that's going on in there is really, it, it, it dominates the like, you know, two thirds of this thing of just like pause and unpause tape action. And I like that sound a lot. I will always listen to that. And I like when people include the, it's not a kind of on off or a mute unmute, but it's just a pause. So we're picking right up where we left off with a slight you know, hint of the tape speeding up and slowing down as it's put on and off pause. They really like to, they really chopped up these orchestra hits on this tape, especially on the second side. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's, it's so that jarring rise and fall. It's so just bursting from nowhere. And there's, there's really no moment of calm on this, pretty much this whole side, <laughs> no. yeah. but especially this track. And even on this track, I was asking Mike, I was like, well, it's it's a triptych. Do you think there's three layers? That's what she three? was like. Is there? Is that, do you think it's a triptych because there's three You were layers? like, I don't know. I don't think you can tell. I don't think you can tell. I think there is. I, I think that there is a clear, like, three parts to this mm -hmm. track. I think. There you go. I At one point, I thought I had picked out a clear three layers, but, you know, that dissolved, like sugar underwater <laughs> i think maybe between the second and third part got gets a little convoluted but i feel like there's the clear beginning part mm -hmm. that shifts shifts into a second part but i don't know really where a third part would be discerned <laughs> <laughs> well you know everybody can listen and find out we can all guess together. I'm going to do what Shane did for the B1 track and read what I wrote for 
Aidna Shank. There you go. Delay confusion, tape confusion, vocal confusion, air confusion, chant confusion, symbol confusion, tension tension confusion, release confusion. And that is what I got just total <laughs> nice. confusion in the best way. Mm-hmm. And and especially that final that tension and release because it's it's tense and the releases seem to maybe sort of come, but then they get taken away and you almost don't feel the release. It almost doesn't, you almost don't get the full tension release. This escalated the mystery of this entire tape. Like this last track just ramped up all of the sinister, ghostly, mysterious elements of the entire release. Totally. Yeah. It's pretty creepy. Uh, kids nursery rhyme warped kind of vibe at the end here absolutely yeah the the sort of choir or like children children's choir maybe going on with it and the the opening though is like really crude kind of stereo sound but it sounds like a if a microphone were made of like charcoal or dust and you could just grind it into loose particles because it was so kind of nasty and weird and then the drum machine feels like and there's drum machine on this or at least drum sounds maybe like it was uh played by hand like they're just hitting specific sounds at times it's not a rhythm in any sense of the word totally and like i said on the other one i'm pretty positive it's you know a really primitive like wooden rhythm box so it could have been one of those ones that has you know, the little ceramic buttons on the front where you could test the sounds mm-hmm. and that would make perfect sense. And there was a lot of like wood blocky and the symbol. Yeah, symbol that symbol has a sound. <laughs> yeah, I love that sound. Yeah, and, and even the track title, I think it can be mysterious because, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe they're writing in English and it's chant or maybe it's French when it's chant, which is like um, singing you know, a, to sing or chirping or warbling, you know, like that. It can be like the, the song of a bird is a chant. Um, and then Aidna is like, um, it's another way to say like our, um, like our our feast, our Aid uh, song. So I just interpreted it as saying our feast song. But again, it could be referencing something totally different. I know there's deities that are referred to in that way i think there's a gaelic fairy goddess or welsh um that that also has that name but again it it only brings more mystery and nothing becomes clear with this track i love the fact that the whole project in the tape is just a big mystery Uh, no absolutely and Mm -hmm. i think that's what's great about a lot of the 80s cassette culture you know we did our last episode was on a hands to tape. And again, you know, a lot of mystery with, with what he was doing, especially back then in the eighties. And I just, you know, I do love a time when it was, the information wasn't as readily available. I mean, obviously we're here giving information and and making attempts at sort of Mm -hmm. discovering information on these things. But back then, you know, maybe there was an interview in a zine somewhere or maybe you did get to correspond with the people directly when you ordered or traded with them, but it's sort of a lot of it sort of lost in time. But I like that, and I think that there's, I think that's great. I, I'm totally, I think that adds to the atmosphere of these releases and especially of '80s tape culture, and you know the physicality of it. You know the paper. The different papers that were used back in the 80s. Oh, this is that good stripey paper. Yeah. Yes. By the way, the paper, I, I sent you guys pretty good scans. Yeah, it looks amazing. The paper is phenomenal. It is that amazing stripey paper. Right, who's Who's got the line on that? Hit, just email Gray at Noise Extra, please. Backstock, <laughs> but, uh, dead stock, but, stripey paper. But all, but also even, even the fonts that were used on whatever... Oh, yes. Computer processor, mm-hmm. primitive computer, typewriter, these sorts of, sort of things that you can do, well, like, you know, b- that you sort of can attempt to, you know, do replicate or do our own, you know, 2021 versions of it, but it's just never the same as how great something like this looks. And I even, the the hand lettering on the cassette, I 
I have a friend who speaks 17 languages, so I sent him the front of the cassette to see if it was based on any um, script that he could decipher, and he said he thought it was constructed alphabet, which means no. He <laughs> is not familiar. No. <laughs> <laughs> like they they handmade the typeface? Is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, it's, it's a constructed alphabet, so it might wow. mean something to them, but not necessarily to us. And and he's familiar with, you know, he speaks, you know, Hebrew, Arabic, um, is familiar with runes uh, and uh, Russian and other Eastern Bloc languages. And he was like, nope, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, and the, I have to re-glue these, actually, but these this is the, the actual <laughs> label. For Which... The- Tape, t- which oh, that looks amazing, and that definitely happens a lot. I got plenty. You know what it kind of looks like when now you're you're holding them up. It reminds me of um, the tablature uh, when you're writing out music for drums. Oh yeah, yeah, it kind of does the X's with the yeah with and the, the lines. Hits. It yeah, really it, it, look it reminds like me of sheet music for percussion. Wow, so, I mean, something I know nothing about. Yeah, but I mean, it's and I do love old tapes. Definitely, the labels. Sometimes those labels are uh, sliding off a little bit. Yeah, the adhesive yeah, fails. I got some stuff that they like very clearly lo- used glue stick on or something, or you get one that's like rubber cemented, but you know, thirty years ago, and it just it's just not going to hold up. Hey, at least those are archival. What do you think? All the Super seventy seven that we've all or Super. Yeah, Super, Super 77. 77. How, what, how do you think that's going to hold up? Shout out 3M. I, I feel like I still have some on my fingers. Fingers? <laughs> 15 that's years ago? More my lungs I'm worried about. I still have a full can here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. use that baby up, Greg. Come on. I, well, I'm, I got, I got, it's got to be the right project. Well, These days, pro tip, I just buy sticker paper when I need to stick something. Yeah, it was to it's something. ridiculous how much we use some of that stuff, oh and God. it's like, oh yeah, it, man, the learning curve was. It took a long time. I, I mean, like. certainly, like having you know the shoes that you spray painted and spray glued in, and then afterwards we'd like walk the dog, and then dirt and grass would stick. It was disgusting. Oh <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. De- you can definitely uh, tell after you've done a good session of spray glue. Yeah. Maybe that's a maybe that's a trashware episode we need to have is uh things we learned from it poorly running labels for years. I lessons I, we learned will, the hard way. I, I like so, it. You know what? Let's do let's let's do that. Sign Actually, me up. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I think a a label arts and crafts episode would be yeah, really yeah, cool. Look, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm great. I, honestly I crafting feel, is like my thing. I'm down. Let's I've, do this. I feel like I only really learned anything about three or four months ago i feel like i finally figured this a couple things out i don't know maybe not though hope to learn a thing yeah hope to learn a thing i'm way into it well listeners if you want uh that sort of episode let us know or you know check out our patreon hey absolutely and we will be over on the patreon here in a few minutes talking with shane about a couple new projects of his that he's got in the works so that's going to be our extra noise extra over the patreon which i still don't know if that's what we're calling oh. the segment i i've been referring to that that might not be it but can we call it noise extra with four a's oh right <laughs> that would be like uh, that'd be that'd be difficult too, too much confused. Or, yeah. noise, too many. or noise extra extra yes yeah, see we yes. thought about that, was that the too other possible yeah title. we thought about that too so hey we'll see it it might be something it might be something totally different but Man, Shane, thank you so much for bringing this tape to us because we really got deeply into it and listened to it a lot uh, leading up to this episode. Yeah, we just kept throwing it on. My pleasure. I had such a great time bringing it. Such a cool one. And and your love of sort of obscure French 80s cassette culture stuff is very obvious when you're pulling tapes off your rack and maybe, you know, the listeners can't see that stuff. But <laughs> Shane's got a sitting in front of a stack of tapes here and, and just pulling uh, at will from classic weird tapes and uh, i think you love a lot of the same things about them that we do is you know the paper the printing the texture the the fact that the labels fell off it's like it has its own charm it's yeah. <laughs> it's hard to be upset about something like that when you realize what these objects are and what they've meant and that you're not the first person to enjoy it you know and uh might not be the last and that's that's all really cool well, as soon as I get an archival grade glue stick, those butt suckers are going back on there. Heck <laughs> yes. yes. Absolutely. Awesome.
Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.